depression, anxiety, <laughs> talk about it with me. Strange brain, same page, safe place, therapy is great, and this ain't the same, but we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. Hey, 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 sunnies. I'm Katie Dahl, and this is Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. And by cool people, I mean, isn't it cool to be vulnerable now? Isn't it just woefully uncool and sad for people to be guarded about their feelings? Don't you think? I don't know. I just feel like ever since quarantine started, uh, the feelings, they're just coming out, you know? And that's, that's why we're here. That's why we're here on this podcast. So this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for therapy or medical advice. Shockingly, I know I'm not a doctor. I'm just a person who's very passionate about mental health. Just a little bit of light housekeeping before we get into the episode today. So you can, after you listen to the episode, go to cryingbehindpod.com. That has all of our episode guides as well as resources for mental health and all the different things that we have going on. Uh, Like, for example, right now we've been doing weekly Zoom mental health on Meetup in partnership with Stronger Than Stigma, which is a mental health nonprofit that is dedicated to destigmatizing mental health care for millennials. That is a lot of M's. Mental health for millennials. Mm -mm -mm. Doesn't that taste good? I think it tastes good. Anyway, (laughs) but I digress. You can find all that stuff on the website. We have a private Facebook support group, which is at facebook.com slash groups slash crying behind pod and on Instagram and Twitter at crying behind pod that has just, you know, a little bit more spicy content for you. So today's episode is, oh, can't wait for you guys to listen to this guest, Will McLaughlin. He's been on Superstore, Parks and Rec, and he has the upcoming movie Irresistible on Amazon, written and directed by Jon Stewart, starring Steve Carell and Rose Byrne. It's just a really funny little political movie, and, you know, you'd think that it would be really hard to have a lighthearted comedy about politics, but this was made... I guess before the nightmare of COVID descended upon the world and was weirdly prophetic in a way, but funny. They managed to make fun of both sides of the political spectrum and it's, it looks great. So yeah, check that out on Amazon. Anyway, the things that we talk about, oh, so Will and I met a long time ago when I first started doing improv at UCB and he was one of my teachers and eventually my coaches and then we became friends. So We get into his obsession with the West Wing, how men can be vulnerable, and how Will has gotten into this journey away from trying to portray this tough guy exterior and gets into just being able to share his feelings, which is such a great journey. We also get into how KFC can be self-care and why meditation isn't just for white yoga ladies on the hill. It's for everyone. So... Anyway, without further ado, I hope you enjoy. You may know him as Earl on Superstore. You may also know him from the show Wrecked on TBS, which you should absolutely watch. He's shaking his head. No, you should watch it. Uh, (laughs) You may have also seen it on Parks and Rec 
or honestly, you may have also seen him if you were me at UCB teaching improv. It's Will McLaughlin. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, there is some weird construction going on in my apartment. So if every once in a while you hear something that sounds like, that's not me. It's, 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 it's people farting in the building next door. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of farting that goes on with construction. I know how that goes. Oh my God. They're relentless. <laughs> so since this is my, like I said, unlicensed therapy office, I just want to ask you, like, how are you feeling today? What, what's going on with you today? <laughs> today I woke up, I, uh, again, as we were saying before the, did you call it the pod earlier? Let's save it for the pod. Yeah. I don't know. I, you got to get hip to the lingo, Will. Uh, yeah. I'm, Hey, I'm an old man. I, the I, pod? I'm, the cast okay either way the pod <laughs> anyway as we were talking about before the pod i i woke up like really super hammered depressed um so sad not wanting to get anything done uh whatever and now i'm in kind of a good mood and you know uh, and every day is like that or it could start out great and it ends up bad or whatever but just a general roller coaster of feeling great and then feeling uh and then feeling bad so, um, how am I doing? I'm great and I'm bad. Well, is today on the up or on the down? Uh, it changes. It can change any second. Oh, so it's not like a theme for the whole day. It's like you could go up and down a bunch of times in one day. What time is it now? It's 5.51. It was uh, the first two hours of the day, super depressing, horrible, felt bad. And it started to be on the upswing. And maybe it'll continue to go up and then it'll go down. Well, I mean, it could be on the upswing because you were like, I'm going to go talk to Katie. That's, That's exactly why. Fun. <laughs> that exactly why. I'm just going to take credit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I've been dealing with the same thing where I feel like, um, and we discussed this a little bit before the uh, pod, <laughs> as the kids say, where I will also go through periods of insane productivity. I actually... This makes me sound like a crazy person, but I did it. I wrote 40 pages of a script yeah. in two days. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's great, but it's also kind of like, maybe that's a little bit manic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would love to have that type of mania. I mean, that, <laughs> that's pretty good. I feel like, yeah, for me, I, there was this feature that I've been working on and I've been trying to crack the code of what the story is. And I think I finally figured it out and I got so yeah. excited that I figured it out that I was just like, okay, I'm going to ride this cool. wave. I'm going to ride this wave. And I don't know. So we'll see. That's great. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm always uh, in, in terms of just writing. I mean, this has nothing to do with, well, I don't know. Maybe it does have to do with depression or whatever, but I always, uh, I can only write when I'm inspired mm -hmm. uh, quote unquote. Uh, but then I always remember a, uh, a W. Somerset mom quote where uh, Somerset mom said, yeah, I can only write when I'm inspired uh, as well. Fortunately, inspiration always hits when I sit down in front of my typewriter and start writing for, you know, three hours, uh, whatever. So uh, it's uh, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of both, I always think. Yeah. Yeah. I also find as far as writing goes that accountability really helps me because if it's not for a job and no one's paying me to do it, it's very difficult for me to be like, okay, I'm doing this thing, but um, yeah. I'm in a writer's group and it's me and three other girls and we've been kind of holding each other accountable through quarantine to write stuff. So they gave me a deadline and I was like, okay, I'm going to show them. <laughs> <I'm gonna> <laughs> <write>. <laughs> 
But so now, does that deadline have any consequences or is it? Just my own pride. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's, so that's not really a deadline then. I mean, it's. Uh... No, you're right. You're right. There should be a consequence of like, hey, if you don't write this, then you have to, I don't know what, like, it's like losing a bet. I have to pay them a hundred bucks or something. Yeah, I, I mean, I always because uh, in order to have some accountability, I, this was like, oh God, this was like eleven years ago, ten years ago, eleven years ago. I I signed up with a Writers Boot Camp. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Writers Boot Camp, but I'm like, man, Writers Boot Camp. It's right there in the title, Boot Camp. Uh, you know, I, you know, they will really discipline me to write and uh, you know uh, and stuff like that. And the deal was like, yep, yeah, you've got to write. Uh, you've got to write at least two days a week. You've got to go to this accountability meeting. You've got to show your pages and all that stuff. And I'm like, great, absolutely, that's what I need. And uh, and then if you showed up without the work, nah, eh, it's not a big deal. Try again. Try a little harder next week. I'm like, all right, that's not boot camp. I mean, boot camp is if I don't write, everybody's got to do push-ups. If I don't write, everybody's got to write 100 more pages. You know, this week. That's kind of what I was expecting with the name boot camp in it. But it was just, eh. Just, well, try harder, you know, do yeah, better. You, you thought that you were paying someone to yell at you and yes. that didn't happen for you. I yeah. I understand that a hundred percent. So yeah, I think that's why like, even with working out, like I have to put a video on and have someone even virtually yelling at me to work out. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got to have the same here. I've got to have somebody to follow along, something to, uh, uh, you know, something to guide me along because if left to my own devices, I'll just sit down and watch, you know all seven seasons of the West Wing again, so. Yeah. So, wait, you've you've watched all seven seasons of the West Wing more than once? Every year I will watch all seven seasons of the West Wing. Hold on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, I, and I just started again last night. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's a good show, but also, oh, yeah. why? Why specifically that show? Oh, by the way, he's pulling out a box set DVD copy of the West Wing now. Season one. I could show you all other seven seasons right here. <laughs> um, uh, why that show? I, I think, uh, I think. well, two things. Number one, it's my favorite show that has ever been on television, I think. I mean, it depends what age you catch me at, but it seems like since I'm almost dead now, that's probably going to be my favorite um, show. You are oh. not that old. Okay, well, I'm in the winter. Of my, I'm in the winter of my years, as opposed, <laughs> as opposed to you, Katie Dahl, who is completely in the spring. Uh, oh. of, I, it's. I think it's uh, one of the best shows that's ever been uh, written uh, on television. Number two, in this current political atmosphere that we're in, I don't know if your listeners know Trump is president. Um, Had no idea. Wait, yeah. hold on, hold on. We need to stop the presses. I said I wasn't going to bring up current events, uh, but hey, there you go. There it is. <laughs> So I watched the West Wing uh, to see what a president and an administration should be like if we really had smart, intelligent, witty, idealistic people in government, as opposed to our current administration. Not to say <laughs> a Biden administration would be any better than Trump's administration, but at least it would be something resembling human beings governing our country. Yeah, or just like someone who isn't going to randomly tweet out things that put us in danger. 
Maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Joe Biden to do that uh, either. I mean, he's kind of a loose cannon. <laughs> he's kind of a loose cannon with that. I watched the Republican <laughs> convention, you know, whatever, however many, many weeks ago. And uh, a lot of people were, a lot of the Republicans said, Joe Biden said this, Joe Biden said that. And I was hoping to say, yep, those are lies. But I'm like, fuck, he did say that. Oh, shit. He Oy. did say that. Maybe I spoke too soon. I don't know. <laughs> I just remember, like, it's it's weird because, actually, this just clicked for me. So thank you for bringing it up. There are two big... <laughs> you're, you're giving me epiphanies. So there are two big days where I feel like the world really changed in the last few years. One was Election Day 2016. Like, the next morning, I remember waking up and looking out the window and feeling like, am I in a dystopian nightmare? Did that just happen? Yeah, yeah. And just the following few months just being like, what what the fuck? You know, especially as a feminist, it was just I think that that, yeah. that was really what made me angry. And then now I remember the day after the lockdown happened, kind of waking yeah. up and oh, feeling yeah. that way as well, where I was like, huh, what what world am I living in now? Yeah. <laughs> and it does. It messes with your brain. Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, I felt like that maybe I, I mean, not the day after the lockdown, because I thought. After the lockdown, ah, this will be done in two weeks or three weeks or something like that. And Christ, it's going on three months now, four months, six, uh, six months. <laughs> July, August, it's okay. Jesus, right? Yeah, it's like seven. It's almost seven full months. <laughs> Holy crap! Um, man, what's the opposite of an epiphany? Oh God, that I was like know. a Houdini gut punch. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I felt like that, like maybe three months into this lockdown. Cause you know, I was convinced like from movies, especially from watching the movie outbreak, man, it looks like finding a vaccine is like, it's so easy. Yeah. You find the host virus and then you mutate it. And then they come up with a, they come up with a vaccine. Oh, if only we were in a movie that was 90 minutes long, Will. Only Dustin Hoffman was on this. You know what? We got to call him up. I bet you he could fix this. I actually think he's canceled now, so uh, oh. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's not, or at least his classes got taken off of master class, so I'm assuming. I can't keep track of who's canceled and who's not canceled. I can't, I can't either. I just hope I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm canceled in some circles, but hopefully. Well, I'm sure, you know, after this episode, who knows? <laughs> this is going to be a real rebranding episode for me. This is a... Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to reinvent myself in this podcast. What's your, okay, what was your old brand? <laughs> and what is your new brand? I am dying to know. Uh, well, I, I'm hoping people will, will see the uh, uh, the sensitive, caring, more nurturing side of me uh, through this podcast, since that's kind of the theme of this podcast. What, what's the Facebook game? Crying behind sunglasses? Cool people crying behind sunglasses? Yeah, is- yeah. So there's a private Facebook support group. It's uh, crying behind sunglasses, a mental health support group for cool people. And for cool this- people, that's what it is. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was like a cheeky way of being like, sure. hey, this is like, yeah, we're talking about these weird issues, but we don't have to be sad all the time. We can laugh about it. Uh, yeah, and I thought that it was a great group and a great group name, even though I didn't remember it. <laughs> Uh, just simply because it, it does kind of typify who I feel like I am. Or, You're a cool guy. Hell yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, or at least that's what I try and project. But hopefully people will see the crying behind the sunglasses part of me uh, uh, in this. Because, yeah, because what your group, looking at everybody's posts and all that stuff, it just made me realize, hey, I'm not the only person going through this. 
I don't have to keep this facade up. I don't have to keep this tough guy image that I try and project. Uh, this stoic guy who's controlling the way he reacts to things as opposed, as opposed to letting things affect him and, you know, show his emotions and things, stuff like that. So anyway, that's, that's kind of, I guess kind of what I'm hoping to rebrand myself as. Did that make any sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because it made so much sense because I think people, especially men are socialized to not share their emotions and yeah. to, kind of bury all of that and being vulnerable is seen as a weakness yeah. but you're saying like hey i want to show like you you see that other people are showing that softer side of themselves or showing that they're struggling and it makes it okay right yeah uh, but you know i mean also too i mean i've always been somebody who has i mean ever since i was a little kid uh you know i just let my emotions uh get the better of me and i'm just like there's no reason why I, I, you know, I need to do that. Uh, there's no, I mean, just like even the smallest things would just set me off. And, you know, thankfully I've kind of gotten over a lot of those things and, you know, through my stoicism practice, it's kind of helped me get through those, but stoicism isn't a bandaid for everything. It's not, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's ruined a lot of relationships that I've had. It's, uh, uh, you know, because I wasn't as sensitive or caring or understanding as I needed to, you know, needed to be. Uh, uh, because I was just trying to apply this rational scalpel to every, uh, you know, to everything, but you know, that's not the tool for, that's not the tool for absolutely everything in the world. And that's, uh, I guess kind of what I'm learning through this. Yeah. Crisis. So you're trying to like bridge the gap between sensitive baby will and like adult stoic will. And like, is there an in between? Also, wait, okay. I don't think I've ever talked to you about your your upbringing because I've known you for a long time. Uh, actually, the listeners probably don't know this. Uh, Will is one of the first people that ever taught me comedy. <laughs> I took, I took, uh, I think two hundred one. That's gonna go over great. Yeah. <laughs> is it gonna go over great? I don't know. Is that bad? I don't know. I mean, I, I know a lot of people will say like, I don't think you can teach comedy. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I guess you're okay. right. You're either funny or you're not. But I mean you can show good sense of good people with good senses of humor, specific patterns in, in humor and stuff like that. I guess more specifically, you taught me the rules of improv as delineated by UCB. Is that there you better? Absolutely. <laughs> well done. Well done star student. <laughs> so yeah, I just remember, I mean, I always saw you as like a very caring teacher and I didn't think that you were a strict hard ass. I thought like you knew the rules and you weren't going to give me a laugh if I didn't deserve it. But at the same time, like if someone was having a hard day, like you would recognize that and you wouldn't push them too hard and you would kind of be there for, for that student. So I, well, that's I, see good that. I see that. But yeah, I, I never really got to know you on it like a deeper personal level. So where did you grow up? What was what was your childhood like? Uh, well, I was uh, I was born in Syracuse, New York, and my parents divorced when I was two, and my mom moved us to Atlanta, Georgia, in the seventies. So I guess I moved there when I was four, and I never really you don't you never understand that until you're an adult of like what what a bold move that was for a single woman in the 1970s to who was, you know, raised in a Catholic family to just say, yeah, I'm moving to Atlanta, Georgia, because I read an article in the newspaper that that's where all the jobs are. So I'm taking my four-year-old son, moving out on my own 
to a city I've never seen before. And uh, yeah, and you just don't realize, you know, what balls that took, what ovaries that took. Um, to, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, to, uh, yeah, we, we got to start making ovaries, the tough things. So uh, yeah, so raised in Atlanta, Georgia, as a Northern transplant. And, you know, we struggled, you know, we were poor. We were very Bonnie Franklin one day at a time type of uh, family. We were, you know, sort of lower middle class, but, you know, my mom did her best working at her job, you know, uh, uh, raising us up the the middle class ladder. And so I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and then I went to art school in Savannah, Georgia, not because I had any artistic talent, but because there was no math required in art school. So that made it a perfect fit perfect fit for me. (laughs) Then I kind of moved to New York City on a dare after being in Savannah for 10 years. And so I lived there for 10 years. And then I became an actor while I was there. And then it came time to move out to LA eventually. So I moved out here 14 years ago, the end. Wow. There's my upbringing. Yeah, sure. No, I was just falling off the back of a truck upbringing. Falling off the back of the truck. Yeah, I had to get my whole life history as I was falling off the back of the truck. There's there it is. Oh, I love that. See, that's more fun than saying, oh, here's my elevator pitch. Yours, instead of going <laughs> up, you're just falling off. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's there's more panic. There's more panic involved in falling off the back of a truck. I think I stole it from George Carlin, but that's the very brief history of my upbringing. I love it. Wait, so I need to go back. First off, you said that she raised us. Do you have, you have siblings as well? Oh, did I say us? Uh, no, I, oh. I think I, maybe I said raised up. I, I don't oh, know. Up. Okay, never mind. Forgot it. Uh, yeah, I'm only <laughs> only child. Yeah. Um, she got it right the first time. How was that being an only child with a single mom? She's obviously working all the time. It sounds like she's a real go getter. Were you alone uh, a lot? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I was. Um, it's, uh, I mean, what was it like being an only child with a single mother? The answer is, I don't know, because I have nothing else to compare it to. That's true. So, um, I have no idea what it's like to have siblings or two parents or uh, anything like that. But yeah, I think the result of it was a lot of being raised by the TV, because, you know, I'm at home for, you know, nine hours a day by myself. And so nothing to do but watch TV. When I was, I think... From the age of six, I started walking home from school alone and staying home alone because it saved my my mom money for daycare because I think she had to pay like, I don't know, like $200 a month for daycare or something like that. And yeah, I was going to save her money if I just stayed home. You know, she gave me five bucks to go get lunch and stuff like that. So yeah, it was a lot of just uh, staying home alone, watching TV. And then when I got old enough, like sort of into my teens, then, you know, I started to make friends and we started to go to the mall and play outside and stuff like that. Uh, that was pretty much it, which is probably why I uh, I know so much about television in the 1960s, because those were all the TV shows that I was watching. Yeah, well, and now, I mean, you're on TV, so you're kind of like studying. And now I'm on TV in the 1960s, so that makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Wow, wait, you're a time traveler. Tell no one. Oh, sorry, I, I'll i edit this part out. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to take blame for, I don't want to take blame for Hitler. I don't want to take blame for Trump. I don't want to take blame for any of these things. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think anyone does. We're 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 all trying our best. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're all trying our best to be like, I didn't approve of this. Just so yeah. you all know, <laughs> I am not okay with this. And yep. they're like, oh, well, why do you? It's like all these people who threatened to move out of a, a, the U.S. and we're still here. It's like, well, you're still here. It's like, well, mm-hmm. it's not that easy. You can't just go exactly. to Canada. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can. Well, uh, yeah, they you, they put the can in Canada, um, but, but uh, yeah, it's not it's not that easy. No, not at all. But they, they probably don't want us. Yeah, the other thing I was going to ask you about your your upbringing while falling off of a truck that you described to me um, yeah, was to pick up any point of that. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said you moved to New York on a dare. Who dared yeah. you, and why? Were you already uh, doing theater? No, it was, I, I, it was kind of a, uh, I guess it's kind of a sad story. Uh, but like, I guess in, I, it was like Labor Day of 1996, I, I was uh, working, like I never finished college. Uh, I'm four credit shy of a degree, which um, don't ask me how that happened. But uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I, like I got sick in my junior, senior year. I had some unfinished classes and stuff like that. And I stayed in Savannah convincing myself, okay, this is the year I get back in school. This is the year I get back in school. Never happened. So I was working a you know, bunch of different jobs and Savannah is a very seasonal town. It goes from March to uh, for, essentially from St. Patrick's Day to Labor Day. Uh, that's kind of the season in Savannah. And so I was working two jobs and one of the jobs in 96, one of the jobs was bouncing their checks to me and the other job was cutting me back to three days a week. So it was becoming untenable to stay there. So I decided to eat crow and, um, you know, ask mom if I could move back home. So I moved back to Atlanta. Long story short, that lasted a week. Moving back to Atlanta lasted a week because I got in a huge fight with her boyfriend, which resulted in a huge fight with her. So I walked out in the middle of the night. I called a cab to the bus station and I got a bus ticket to New York City where I had some friends. And so I couch surfed until I just stayed there. So it was just kind of an emergency situation that I moved. So that's what I mean by a dare. It's, it sounds better than a fight with mom and dad. Well, uh, but it's also, I mean, it, that was a very spur of the moment decision. And yeah. it sounded like it were, really worked out for you. So you, you took it a did. chance. It paid off. Yeah, it paid off. I mean, I, I, Gwyneth Paltrow sliding doors, try and think of like what the, you know, what my life would have been like if I had stayed in uh, Atlanta and gotten that job at Williams and Sonoma in the mall, uh, whatever. I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Maybe I'd be doing better. Who knows? But we'll never know. We'll never know, Katie. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I guess unless we figure out a way to get a portal to the parallel universe version of you and we can check in with him and see... See how that other scenario played out for him. Well, I've been watching the OA on Netflix, so I just need to get four other people to do the movements, and then we can find that that <laughs> portal that portal into that other life. I'm on board, honestly. Like with, with how much crazy shit has happened this year, I feel like a scenario like that makes so much sense to me now. <laughs> It makes so much more sense than just so they're like, watching. Go, this could happen. This could actually happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I like. I think that all the like sci-fi and fantasy stuff. I wasn't super into it before, but now I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. that could happen. 
Yeah, and I wonder. I mean, I, and I think it's because of all this thing. The fact that I'm uh, I'm watching things. I feel like I'm watching those things just to escape this reality that I'm in right now, and that's why I'm watching things like The West Wing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. You know, I feel like The West Wing. It's like a it's like a cozy cozy political blanket. Well, yeah, and also too, it's because I've already seen it. I know what happens. It's predictable, and I'm living in very unpredictable times, and so that's what I need. I already know what happens. They're nice people. I like being in a room with them and uh, it helps me to avoid going out there and being in rooms with people that I'm probably not going to like. Yeah. That's my completely unprofessional, unlicensed therapist's um, interpretation of that. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It's almost like um, my aunt and my grandma, they love watching days of our lives Oh, wow. Their stories. Their stories, exactly. And that show has been going, ugh, I don't know, what, 30-plus years? I don't know, yeah. someone more than that. And I feel like the reason they keep watching it isn't really even to do with the quality of the show. It's just that they're, like, comfortable, and it's yeah something that is feels familiar. And they're just like, yeah, I know all these characters. I need to see what happens to them. And no matter what's going on in the world, like, all the soaps are shooting again, so... There they are watching it, you know. There it is. It's you know, it's actually really funny. You would, you would, I think you would laugh at this. Uh, my my grandma, she like no matter what I do with my acting career, I don't. I feel like she'll never be satisfied until I get on a soap opera. No way. <laughs> she's always like, like she'll always call me up and she's like, Katie, these girls, you're so much prettier than them. You can act so much better than them. Why aren't you on Days of Our Lives or Bold of the Beautiful? And I'm like, okay, Nama. Well, number one, she's right. I agree with her. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Uh, you know, number two, I don't think that's the best application of your talents. Um, uh, but three, hey, there are worse fates than, you know, being a regular paid actor on a – I mean – I mean, Most people make bank. At this point, would I turn it down? No. <laughs> it's money, and it, like you said, it's work, but I agree. I mean, it's, it's there are other things that are perhaps more, I don't know, artistically fulfilling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. I don't know. But, but, I look uh, at, but I look at these, like, nighttime dramas, and they're no better than soaps. I mean, well, I mean, I don't, all right, some of them are. Like, yeah. The West Wing. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Well, I have to ask. Did the West Wing put you up to this? Is there someone who is why, telling you to advertise? Why, why do you ask that, Katie Doll? <laughs> As he holds up the entire one of the other. How many DVDs do you have? There's seven, there's, uh, seven seasons, like I said. Okay. Have you ever been on a political show? No. Is that a dream of yours? Oh my God, I'd love to. I'd love to be. I mean, even I, I mean, one of my biggest regrets is that I started acting way late, like when this show was already on the air and I wasn't out here in L.A. I mean, even if I could have just been a, a guy moving furniture on the West Wing, man, I would have been so happy. <laughs> so happy with that. But also, too, like on the on the DVD commentaries, um, you'll hear like the writers and the producers talk about uh, they'll say, yeah, you know, we had a hard time finding uh, uh, finding a lot of actors who had uh, who were old enough to play these roles who had stayed in the business who we could afford and i'm like that's me right there i mean you know i'm this you know older guy i could play one of these 
uh, whatever. And man, is my price right within your, my quote is right, right in your range. Um, because a lot of people have given up, uh, you know, given up acting by the time they've, you know, reached whatever my age was. Um, right. So, so Aaron Sorkin, if you're listening and you're doing a reboot, Oh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he's listening. Oh God. I'm sure a reboot is never happening, but or a reunion, maybe like a one-off. Oh, that, I think that is going to be happening on uh, HBO, but oh. uh, yeah. So hope, hope. But that's that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be some superstar cavalry. Everybody's going to want to be in that. That's going to be nothing but stars taking their prices down. So they well, can you know what? Well, you're a star to me. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't wrecked after all. I mean, yeah. Sure, Aaron Sorkin saw that. Uh, yeah, you know, actually, when I do because the West Wing, actually, you you would appreciate this when I do a walk and talk with my friends <laughs> i call it i call it sorkening yeah <laughs> and I, i've been doing a lot of that in quarantine because I, I uh, would, yeah. well the only way you can really socialize with someone who's not in your house is like okay let's put on some masks let's go for a walk yeah and i'll take my dog and oh you remember coco coco Coconut, loves yeah. you yeah yeah so i say let's let's go here and sorkening <laughs> maybe we maybe you and i need to do that soon sure <laughs> um, a good therapist is like a friend except that they actually give good advice and they show up on time when y'all make plans and you only have to talk to them on the phone once a week. You get to talk about yourself the entire time. And they just know everything about your life and are super chill about it. So why wouldn't you want to have a therapist? I know I'm very grateful not only to have my own great therapist, but also to have the sponsorship of BetterHelp for this podcast. BetterHelp is a site that provides affordable, private online counseling with real therapists that are trained and ready to help you. I'm really happy to share this deal that we have with BetterHelp. If you go to betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod, that's H-E-L-P, I can share with you 10% off of your first month. And also they have super affordable financial aid options. So there's no excuse for you to not get out there and get yourself a new buddy, a new therapist. Go to betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod. If you're listening to this podcast and you're an actor, this is for you. You are like me. You have a big dream. You have so many big ideas and plans for yourself as an actor, as an artist, as a person. And sometimes those goals and those dreams, they just seem completely insurmountable, right? And you need some help. So that is where Jordan Ansel comes in with thrivingactor.com. Now, what is this website? Why are we talking about this, Katie? Who the heck is Jordan? Jordan is an old friend of mine. He is an award-winning filmmaker, producer, and actor with multiple projects in development for 2021. He's also a really great coach. He helps creatives and entrepreneurs and artists achieve their goals through actionable steps, accountability, and coaching. There are so many resources on thrivingactor.com. There's just so much you can do if you're acting career, even though you are still in quarantine, whether that is learning how to network 
build up your side hustle, how to put yourself together and package yourself to get a new agent, your audition techniques, everything. It's all covered. There is coaching and there is honestly something there for different actors at every stage of their careers. So definitely check it out. Thrivingactor.com. Now, I, I, I didn't mean to uh, blow your blow up your spot that you didn't realize how many months we've been in quarantine, but like... Uh, that spot needed blowing up. Yeah, I guess so. You said that, that at first you felt good and then there was a sense of maybe dread or something. And, and how are you... How are you feeling about everything now? Do you have any sense of hope or is it still in the despair category? Oh, I think it's getting more and more desperate every day. In the middle of the quarantine, you know, when we had unemployment on steroids, holy crap. I mean, I was doing really well then. You know, I was like, wow, I should do this. I should do this every year. But, <laughs> uh, and, you know, and there was a point where, yeah, I was productive. I was getting stuff done and, you know, all this stuff. You know, but now unemployment is running out. You know, for survival jobs, I would do like stuff like Postmates and Lyft and stuff like that. It looks like a lot of people are probably going to vote on that or going to vote no on 22. So that's going to take me probably out of a job, uh, out of a survival job. Uh, don't know what's going to happen, you know, there. But, uh, you know, kind of got on the upswing. I've got a lawsuit against somebody that's may result in some money. I've oh, Yeah play in a contest that's maybe going to involve some money or attention or whatever so again it's these cross streams you know uh, you know this is my life i live life in the x you know in the middle of these things that are you know on the way down and on the way up and so i'm just caught between those things so people always say are you an optimist or a pessimist and i just try and say well i'm a realist i try and be a realist if it calls for me to be optimistic the situation calls for me to be optimistic then great i will be optimistic if being more pessimistic seems like it's the answer, then yes, I'll be more pessimistic. So, so you just pick where whichever side is the seems like it's the winning team. Uh, uh, not necessarily the winning team, just the accurate team. You uh. know, I try and be accurate. I try and be as precise as I can, as opposed to you know rose-colored glasses or you know all is lost. Well, that's uh, good because it kind of keeps you in the middle, so you don't spiral too much in either direction the middle is a great place to be oh my god (laughs) what a beautiful place the middle is yeah i mean but i I guess it does it does keep me from either getting my hopes up way too high or getting too depressed just existing well i guess yeah just existing yeah (laughs) wait so you have you always had this attitude or did it take you a while to develop this even keel situation? Is it something you uh, had to work at? I don't know if it's anything that I had to work at. I think maybe situations worked on me, quote unquote, to make me develop this attitude. Uh, just so because, you know, a lot of times I would get so over-invested that I would be so happy about stuff and, you know, be able to project, you know, 20 years into the future, you know, what was going to happen, what things were going to go like. And when they didn't go like that, then it made me like crushingly depressed. And I would then think about the next 20 years being super depressed and different ideations of other terrible things happening and whatever. So living at the top of the wave and the bottom of the wave is no place to be. So I'm just kind of trying to surf. Hey, there's a great metaphor. Surfing. I, hey, we love we love a good metaphor. I'm trying to catch that wave, man. Not the biggest wave, not the smallest wave. I'm just trying to stay up on the board. 
Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying, especially in uh, the entertainment industry, because, or I, I think any industry where there's like a freelance aspect to it, you're just like, you get so excited when you think you might get a job that you really want. And like yeah. you said, you plan out in your head, you fantasize about like, oh my God, this is going to change my life. Yeah. This is the, not even just the money, but the opportunity and this, that, and the other. And you've snowballed the whole thing in your head before you even walk into the audition room, which it's like, yeah. okay, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then an event like COVID-19 will happen. And then it's just like, that just levels absolutely every industry. So then you don't have uh those things yeah yeah but i mean you said that you're back uh filming superstore again now right i'm i'm pinned uh which or means... they're, they're filming again and you will hopefully be filming again yeah i'm 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 written into a couple of episodes but i've already been taken out of one of them so you know you know again i'm mitigating my moods based on on you know whatever whatever that is yeah yeah and you've i mean filming during covid must be that's a completely different experience because usually yeah. it involves many people in an enclosed space. Yeah. <laughs> Those are things that are not supposed to happen. Uh, yeah, and I'm uh, yeah, and I'm wondering. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm anxious to see what it's going to look like. Um, yeah, uh, on the day that should be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm curious to know how it goes. I've heard from friends that like things seem to be moving slower, which isn't necessarily bad because as you know, film production, usually it's like, go, 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 go. We got to get every shot in today. And now it's like, well, the art department has to come in separately and do their thing. And then the director has to block the actor separately from everyone else. And then like every single department has to do their job kind of by themselves Yeah. In a sequence instead of all at once. So yep. I, I hope that maybe it might you might find it a little bit more peaceful because things are moving a little bit slow. Yeah, yeah, I mean that. Uh, yeah, that could be. I mean, I was just listening to a production podcast from a producer before I got on with you, mm-hmm. and uh, and one of the uh, producers they were talking to said, yeah, like during COVID, you know, we were worried about you know getting back together, and then the film crews were like, what are you talking about? We're a film crew. What we do is we get to a location and we solve problems. This is not a problem. We'll just find different workarounds for, you know, whatever this is. So, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be okay just simply because that's what crews are used to doing. They're used to solving problems and they're just looking to get back to work again, uh, as we all are. So uh, I'm hoping, uh, yeah, I'm hoping it'll be, it'll be all okay. I mean, there's nothing, there's no problem that gaff tape can't solve. Right. <laughs> That's right. And I forget they have they have a huge supply of gaffers tape. <laughs> so you were saying that you like really related to a lot of the posts in the group. Oh yeah. Was there a certain age or a time in your life that you felt like, oh, my brain works differently than other people or like I'm more sensitive or I feel things differently than other people? I I uh, hmm. I, th- I guess I think I'm I'm just sort of now coming into that realization that that I'm not I don't think that differently than anyone else. I think it's just kind of the opposite. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, of that, I mean, I always just assumed that I was the only one who thought these things or felt these things or you know or, or whatever. And then, and that's one good thing I like about Facebook and the group you created in general is that, oh, I can see I'm not the only one who thinks like this. I'm not the only person who, 
uh, does this. I keep quoting this because do you know Lindsay K. Tai at all? Are you friends with her on, on Facebook? She put up this, she put up this great post one day and I, I always bring her up because I'm always trying to give her credit and not steal it. But she posted a, she posted a status update one time and said, I uh, said, well, time for bed and time to screen the movie titled every horrible thing you've done and said in your entire life in no particular order. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, someone else does that. That's, you know, I do that, uh, you know, I do that too. And given the amount of likes that that post got, I'm like, oh, wow, then there are lots of other people that do that too. It's not just me. And I think that's one of the great things about the group that you created. It's like, oh, wait, I'm going through that too. I'm, you know, I'm doing this too. I'm not specially cursed. There's lots of people in this exact same situation. So I think the problem was always thinking that I was unique and a unique thinker as opposed to now coming to the realization that I have more shared likenesses with, with people than I do unlikenesses, dislikenesses. Yeah. No, you made a really good point. Absolutely. Because I didn't mean, like, I think that something I'm trying to do with this podcast with the group and everything is to say, like, the more we talk about it, the more we realize that we're not alone. Yeah. And that is one of the biggest human instincts is to like you said kind of review the entire movie of your life figure out where you went wrong we're natural problem solvers you know and it's very hard to let go of those negative thoughts and um that definitely i think late at night when you go to bed those things come up yeah i mean for me i'm actually i'm more of a morning problem person Oh wow! Interesting. So you wake, you wake up and start reviewing all the problems that you that happen in your life. Wow! It's very weird. It's very difficult. It's a hard way to start the day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed you get out of bed if you do that. My God! Sometimes it takes me a while. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've gotten I've gotten to the point where I've had to and 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 again maybe there's other people out there that do this and but in order to put myself to sleep. I have invented these like fantasy scenarios of a past of mine that did not exist or, you know, something that happened. If some one thing had changed in my life, what my life could have been. And I kind of put myself to sleep that way, fantasizing about those things, as opposed to ruminating on the things that I can't fix. I can't, uh, I can't do anything about. I imagine a past that never happened whether it's me being a superhero or me being an ancient Greek god or, you know, just having like one thing I've changed in my life, I, I kind of end up doing those things in review. Also, too, maybe it's just because I'm in the winter of my years. And so I, I used to just imagine the future. And now I don't imagine much about the future anymore. So the past is my only recourse. But that's that's been the way that I put myself to sleep to get rid of thinking about, you know, those things. And I don't know if that's a dangerous thing or if it's a, I think uh, it's great. I, I it's don't know. Thing. I've never heard about this. I've heard of so much positive visualization techniques for the future. I haven't really heard about people doing positive visualization for their past. So like, why not? Well, that's why I'm thinking it's dangerous because maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm creating, some past that didn't exist, but now it's in my brain that it exists as this fantasy. You know, what if I get Alzheimer's and I think that stuff is real? Well, then you'll just be happy. Who cares? Okay, good point. Because <laughs> if you have Alzheimer's at that point, it's like, okay, you're already 
probably in an like I don't I don't know like you're already old maybe on the decline whatever why not be happy and think that you were a Greek god okay we'll do <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't mean to negate your concerns. Those are valid concerns. I just, I guess. And you, I, I'm an, and you are a licensed, you are a licensed therapist. So I will trust everything. <laughs> uh, no, this is not uh, a substitute for medical advice or therapy. <laughs> I thought you were licensed. You have an E.E. E. Cummings book back there. How are you not licensed? I, I'm sorry. E.E. E. Cummings is a poet, not a psychologist, Will. I, I hate to break it. Yeah, but you. I thought E.E. E. Cummings was a poet only psychologists loved. Is that true? No, probably wow. not. I got excited. I was like, wow, you're <laughs> onto something. <laughs> Maybe, am I like, am I into the same poet that Freud and Carl Jung were really? <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. That'd be weird. Yeah, I'd hate to see the poets they like. Well, maybe Carl, <laughs> maybe Carl Jung, but I wouldn't want to see Freud's poetry loves. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap up, I'd love to ask you, I have a little thing that I ask my guests called hot tips, hot tips, hot tips, hot tips. Hot tips. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> uh, so if you have a bad day and whether you, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed or you turned in a screenplay that didn't go well or did some sort of performance in the before times when we could perform that you felt like you bombed. What is something that you can do for yourself to that you that will turn your mood around, whether that's like uh, music or food or? You know, I don't really have any fix all sort of thing. I just try and I don't know. I try and watch things that make me feel better that I know are going to put me in a good mood. And it can be like a junk food movie or it could be a, or, uh, or just like, I was feeling so depressed and I just ate, oh God, I just ate a, what do they call it? A, a Kentucky fried chicken, but they call it a box of, oh yeah, a, a, a big old box of delicious. Whoa, oh, KFC, big old from, box of delicious. What? <laughs> from the Colonel. I just ate a big old box of delicious. The Colonel. I was just feeling so terrible, so horrible. I knew I had to get on this podcast. And so I'm just browsing around YouTube just to kill time, whatever. And then I, I came across this, um, again, I don't know if you've seen uh, Jiminy Glick. Have you ever seen Jiminy Glick, the Martin Short character? No, I got to check that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's this. Uh, he plays this character who's this like Hollywood reporter, but he doesn't know anything about shoe business. <laughs> um, and uh, he interviews celebrities as this overweight, you know, uh, uh, dude. And I always liked the show on Comedy Central, but there was just a supercut of all of his roasts. On uh, thing, and I I was just cracking up. I I, I couldn't stop laughing uh, at it. I got to the middle of it before I had to get on this podcast, and so that just kind of immediately put me in a good mood, laughing. You know, I wasn't depressed about anything that I've got to do in the next couple of weeks or months or whatever. So I guess I would say, yeah, my panacea is just to engage in something that you know you like. It's proven. You know, whether it be a junk food movie or whether it be actual junk food. Yeah. No, you, you, know, you got to treat yourself. Eating, that's going to cause eating disorders, though, I think. No, I'm worried, no. I'm doing that. Listen, I think that everything in moderation. Yes. That's that's my motto. I feel like uh, people can get too strict sometimes. They're like, oh, you shouldn't do this ever. And you should always eat healthy every single day. And you should only watch things that are quote unquote quality programming. And it's like, no, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's also okay. Like I remember earlier this year, I was going through it. Well, and pre pre pandemic. Yeah. And 
I spent multiple nights a week just getting stoned and watching, binging Love Island <laughs> on my couch by myself. Sometimes you need to do that. That sounds like a great night. Yeah. But also, like, looking back on it, I was like, yeah, that was a dark period of my life. Yeah. At least I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> but I still am. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's Love Island, especially the, well, I don't know if you, have you ever watched it? I'm, it's, on, it's on my list now. Okay. Well, there are several iterations right of it. after I finish the West Wing. <laughs> convinced that they're paying you now if they're not they should they should um but yeah if anybody ever wants to watch love island the original version that's from the uk is really great because my favorite thing about it is uh the the uk people hitting on each other or using weird slang oh yeah (laughs) i see the snl parody i see the snl parody of that yeah it's like i'm really chuffed chuffed because i think ian Ian's got the glamours for me. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're off snogging and I think, <laughs> I think they're that off she... snogging and I'm up the apples and pears wanking it. <laughs> and I, I think I think that he fancies me. <laughs> that was always my favorite part of the British the Great British Baking Show, the or the uh, Great British Bake Off. Did you ever watch that? Yes. I watched all seven seasons. Oh God, I fucking loved it. I love the the introductions. They sounded like something from Doctor Seuss. It was it was you know, uh, uh, Morag is from Scrumpton, where she teaches maths with her husband Pollywog. But that was always my favorite thing. The introductions from uh, that. But where where can I watch Love Island? Uh, on Hulu, they have everything. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> they have everything. I know you see you heard the like sadness in my voice. Just God, like, there was a, there was such a tear in your soul when you said that. <laughs> they have everything. They know they what a candy doll needs. They it's you know except what, this. I need this wine. I need I need human connection. They can't provide <laughs> me with that. I can only have it through the screen. <laughs> ah, no, it's okay. I'm pretending. That's that's yeah. called. It's it's fine. It's fine. it's called acting. Yeah, it's, it's called, called uh, acting. Stop, Mark's kidding. <laughs> I feel like you need to give into those indulgences every once in a while, just simply because like, if you avoid it, if you just try and white knuckle your way through it, you give those things so much power that, that it's going to overwhelm you at some point. And then you're going to, then you're going to go completely off the If you're like, I'm not going to eat McDonald's. I'm not going to eat McDonald's. You've, you've made McDonald's the most powerful thing in the world. So it's like, just go fucking eat, eat at McDonald's and then don't eat there for a while again. So. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm with you in Aristotle, everything in moderation. <laughs> That's great. Well, um, right in the middle of the X, uh, before we go, I was just wondering if you have any last words of wisdom for any of our listeners out there that might be going through it, feeling lonely, feeling sad, uh, or weird. I don't have any words of wisdom other than to say just, uh, and it just sounds so trite and, you know, self-helpy. But just, you know, know that you're not, a uh, you know, <laughs> I want I always, I'm always tempted to say you're a unique person. There's no one like you in the world, but you know what? There are, there are a lot of people like you. They're going through the exact same thing and you're not the first person to ever feel these feelings. You're not the only person that's going through this. So don't be afraid to reach out to, you know, to anyone come join. Can anybody join this Facebook group? Oh yeah. 
yeah anybody can join the group or I know I've uh, recommended some people to it and they've and they've gotten on yeah yeah, yeah. no it's it, the group or also just even listening to this or um there are so many resources also i have on the website for people to check out so yeah and that's a good thing too you keep you keep publishing um uh different things yeah and whenever i come up with some whenever you know whenever i'm doing a morning meditation uh, or something like that and you know i hear something good great i, I usually just share it with that group about how to get so, motivated that's or, right you meditate yeah. Now, now I'm going to keep you on for a second. Tell me how it's going. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's it's inconsistent, uh, but you know, and, and and again, it's another thing where I know I'm not alone in this because I, I, right now I'm just meditating through the Calm app. Do you know the app? Yes. So I have it on my Apple TV, and again, I'm super inconsistent and in being regular about it. But every time I just sit down and do it, I will sit there and I'll get lost in thought. I'll get. I will not focus on being here right now and concentrating on the moment or focusing on my breathing. And then the next thing that the moderator says is like, if you get lost in thought, just notice it, just observe it. Like, Oh wow. She's reading my mind, but it's not that she's reading my mind. It's that that's what happens to everybody. Everybody is like that. I'm not somebody who is especially bad at meditating. It's just what happens when people meditate, they lose focus stuff. And that's what this practice is for is to, get back in discipline, get back in and, and focus. So, yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're doing that. I've been meditating pretty much every day this year, but when I first started a few years ago, like I was also very inconsistent with it. It's normal. And yeah, you're right. Our brains are built to think they're not built to not think. Yeah. So it's not easy to just turn them off and yeah. it's not like a natural instinct for most people. Yeah. And I, and I also had some, uh, I had some, whatever, some wrong preconceptions about, I was like, oh, meditating, that's for, you know, slender white women who do yoga or, you know, yogis on a hill, uh, you know, who just want to bliss out, you know, uh, you know, over stuff, uh, as opposed to no, it's for absolutely everybody to just still their lives and calm down, quiet all the noise down. And again, just try and be alone with yourself. And I think, you know, it really does. It really does help me be more calm or mitigate things or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. Like I got so, I got so fucking pissed that I, cause it's maybe just a learn to observe my thoughts. Like before I went out to get a big old box of delicious today, like I said, there's some guys doing some work on my apartment building and they had a bunch of wood that was out there. And I have this one, oh, I have this one piece of wood that I've had to keep buying over and over and over again. It's like something I'm going to hang a heavy bag from in my uh, carport and I'm like, I'm going to, they better not steal that wood. They better not steal that wood that's right there in front of my car. I'm going to put a note on it. If these assholes try and steal that note, and then I just stop myself, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I, who am I yelling at? I'm not, I'm yelling at some imaginary circumstance that's never going to happen, whatever. So that was just me observing it, throwing it away. So that's how it, if that made any sense at all. No, um, it did. You learned how to let things go. You learn how to observe them and yeah, and then just watch it and watch it pass because yeah. it's not actually happening. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that a lot. It's like, a, I think a lot of times when there's something that's really bothering me or I have a lot of anxiety that's creeping up for me, I'll say to myself like, okay, what's happening right now? Like, yeah. what is the problem right now? And nine times out of 10, the thing that's bothering me, usually nothing I can do about it. And usually it's not actually happening in the moment. And it's like, okay, well, me working myself up over it isn't actually helping. So maybe not, maybe. 
Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think it should be normalized for every kind of person to meditate, not just little white yoga ladies on a hill. Uh, <laughs> I think, like, if... That's I, my next podcast. White, white yoga ladies on a hill. <laughs> if... Yeah, I mean, it's, to bring it a little bit full circle, because I remember at the beginning you were talking about how politics has been weighing on your mental health. I wonder what our world would look like if the world leaders were all meditating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be interesting. Right? And, yeah. There was, there was some dude who was running for president one time, and one of his platforms was transcendental meditation. And I'm like, well, that guy's going to lose. I mean, there's no, there's yeah. no way. Yeah, uh, you know, he had some interesting things to say about it, but I'm like, boy, there's no quicker way off the ticket than uh, running on that. He must have been like a libertarian or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Marianne Williamson. She's an amazing author. Oh yeah, but she she ran, and that was she kind of had a woo woo spiritual platform. Yeah, and I forgot people, about her. People did not take her seriously, so I think you're kind of right. But yeah, I don't know. I'd like to think that if. At least for me, it makes me a lot less reactive uh, yeah. and a lot a lot more objective about situations. So that yeah. could, it could be a thing. Maybe maybe yeah. we should get them to do that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that would be uh, great if it was uh, along with being at least 35 years old, you must meditate every day for at least 10 minutes <laughs> would be uh, a requirement of office. I like it. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk with me today. It's been a pleasure, Will. And uh, a pleasure, Katie. Thanks for uh, having this podcast and starting this Facebook group. Um, it's been really helpful. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that it made you feel less alone. Um, please subscribe, review, rate, or share this with a friend who might enjoy it. I don't. Honestly, live your life. Um, and be sure to check out Will McLaughlin in the new Jon Stewart film, Irresistible, on Netflix. They also have Rose Byrne as well as Steve Carell starring in that film. It's a super fun comedy that makes fun of our entire political system by showing all the shit that goes into a local election. So, yay! Some details about today's show are in the description, but please check out the episode guide on crimebehindpod.com to see more details about what Will's up to or how to follow him or more information about anything that we talked about, as well as other mental health resources that we mentioned in this episode. And our Twitter, Instagram, etc. are all at crimebehindpod. I've been your host, Katie Dahl, and I will continue to be that person for a while. So next time you're sad, just throw on your sunglasses, take a walk outside, and remember, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny. Here,